Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. You are listening to Dove Valley Deep Divers with Eric Trickle and Lance Sanderson. Ball comes out of the hands of Newton. It's on the ground, picked up by T.J. Ward at the four-yard line. Vaughn Miller did it again. On Overtime Media. And it looks like we are live. Let this kind of breathe for a second. Make sure we're streaming good across all platforms. Got to see Facebook and YouTube, Twitch, Periscope, everything like that. Looks like we're good to go. Mile high hello, everybody in Broncos country. And welcome into another episode of the Dove Valley Deep Divers Live podcast. Guys, this is episode 50. Episode 50 of the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. Eric, how are you doing today? I'm actually doing pretty well. Uh, It's been a long day at work, working full time, but I'm glad it's finally the weekend. And good news is that should be going back to normal. They actually have two people who have applied. They're going through the background checks and everything like that. So hopefully not having to work full time again, I can go back to my normal schedule and go back to focusing on stuff for Mile High Huddle and videos and for the YouTube channel and all that stuff. But I'm good. Um, Things are going good up here. Family's all good. Everything's good. Yeah, awesome, man. It, it, everything's going good this way. By the way, guys, my name is Lance Sanderson. I'm your host and joined always by Eric Trickle, our uh, Denver Broncos insider and Mile High Huddle senior NFL draft analyst. But everything's going good. Hey, we had a, a doctor's appointment earlier today for the baby. Just to go check on everything. Uh, we're at eight-month mark now, so we're right around the corner, knocking on the doorstep of the newest Broncos fan coming into Broncos country. So very excited about all that. But anyways, today, guys, a couple of just the interesting bits of news. First things first, tomorrow afternoon, the the Denver Broncos and a bunch of their players are going to be uh, participating in a peaceful protest at the state Capitol in Denver uh, regarding everything with the George Floyd killing and the, the the peaceful protests in the Black Lives Matter and the social injustices and stuff like that. Eric, what do you know about that, man? Um, I don't know much about that. They want to keep I know that obviously they want to keep it peaceful. They don't want to be involved in any of the other stuff that's going on with that. But uh, they're showing their support for the movement. They're showing their support for the justice for George Floyd and all that stuff. And it's, it's, uh, it's a good thing. I mean, being able to show their support and stand out there for it, but uh, we don't really want to sit there and take up the whole thing, talking about that stuff. There's plenty of that coverage around on the news and plenty of us stuff, uh, you know, talking about it here on, on on our own Twitters and stuff like that. So, we, we were kind of looking at this to just get away from everything that's going on in the world as we always were with the big baddie that we can't say the name of going around. We always use this hour as a time to just kind of go away from that and focus on football. So that's what we're going to do here today. Yeah, I, I agree with that. This is this is our chance to get away from the real world and, and everything like that. But before we get started, I just want to say that I'm not going to get into the whole political aspect of this. It's not my place to say something like that. This is a football podcast. We cover the Denver Broncos. But my one message to everybody out there is just be better. 
be better as a human being. That's all we can ask from everybody, regardless of your political standings. Everybody needs to be better. Now, today, guys, interesting piece of information coming out from ESPN at uh, Mike Clay and his fantasy football projections for the Denver Broncos, projecting what is going to be the forecast for Drew Locke in this Denver Broncos 2020 offense. Now, guys, before we get after that, Real quick, make sure you guys are following me on Twitter at SandersonMHH and for Eric at Eric Trickle. Make sure you guys are also following at DVDD underscore pod. You guys also head on over to huddleuppod.com. Make sure you guys get yourself a hat and get yourself a T-shirt. And also, being as today is the 50th episode of the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast, (laughs) at the end of the show, we are going to be doing a giveaway. So make sure you guys have your trivia hats on because we got a very tough trivia question regarding the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast and specifically some uh, just to to give you a little bit of insight on this we're going to be giving away a hat and a t-shirt at the end of the show Uh, actually we'll announce the winner next week but anyways guys this is the Overtime Podcast Network ah mmm the first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on that's nice at caskers.com we make this experience easy Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Going back to 
the the projections for Drew Locke this season. Mike Clay has him going three uh, 314 out of 494 completions for a 63.5% completion percentage, 3,510 yards, 21 touchdowns, and 11 interceptions. Break that down into a per-game basis, 20 for 33 for 234 yards, 1.4 touchdowns, and 0. 7, uh, 0. 0.75 interceptions per game. Now, Eric, there's a very interesting piece to this puzzle as well. Mike Clay only has Drew Locke playing 15 games next year. So based on that, if you extrapolate all that data out, he's run, pushing close to the, what, 3,745 yards, 22 touchdowns, and 12 interceptions. Based on that figure alone, first off, let me ask you this question. Do you think that Eric uh, that uh, Drew Locke plays all 16 games next year? Do you think there's a possibility of him getting hurt? And also, what do you think of this projection? Um, I think that with Mike Clay, I could see it possibly possibly being like a thing where he's just trying to, um, just kind of like play it safe. I guess would be the word. Um, just not wanting to go with the full sixteen games for Drew Lock and just showing that he might the possibility of him potentially missing a game. I think that Drew Lock actually will play all sixteen games, but it's something that's just so hard to say for sure. There's just so many freak accidents that can happen and everything like that. I mean, Henry Ruggs got his leg punctured while trying to move. Um, I can't remember who the player was, but one player got hurt slipping when he was getting out of the shower. Uh, just things like that. So injuries can happen at any point. So I think it could be a thing to just keep him safe. Um, the only stat that I look at that really I really disagree with is the sacks. And he has, Mike Clay has Drew Locke taking 32 sacks. And for a player who took only five sacks last year in five games – I think that obviously it's not going to be a one per one sack per game kind of thing, but 32 seems a little bit high to me. I think that when it's all said and done, he'll average like one and a half sacks per game, something like that, and end up walking out of there with somewhere between like, like 26 to 30 sacks. So just a little bit higher than I'd go. That's the only one that I really have an issue with 3,500 yards from him would be actually a really good year. I said in my bold predictions a few weeks ago that I, he has 4,000 yards, and a lot of people had some issues with that and made it seem like it was so easy. But 4,000 yards is not an easy feat, like especially for being your, just your second year as a starter or second year in the NFL, I mean. So I think the rest is fair, but just those sacks – yeah, Chad Jensen actually has a, a very interesting article kind of highlighting this this entire scenario on milehighhuddle.com. Guys, go ahead and check that out. I'm going to read you just a quick snippet towards the end of this. And he says, quote, I view Jones's touchdown. Uh, he's talking about Daniel Jones and Pat Shermer's offense last year in the New York Giants. He says, quote, I view Daniel Jones's touchdown to interception ratio as the floor for lock in year two, meaning 24 touchdowns and 12 interceptions. Bump that pass passing yardage to closer to 3,500, and it falls in a little closer to how I see it unfolding for Locke in, in 2020, close quote. So to me, I actually totally agree with that. 3,500 yards, a little bit shy there, but as a second-year player coming in, you also have a, a bunch of young pass catchers, especially with Jerry Judy, K.J. Hamler, Colton Sutton in year three. Noah Fant really needs to take that next step as a tight end. We kind of highlight, I kind of highlighted that in a piece uh, uh, last week on milehighhuddle.com. But still, there's there's a lot to, of room for error in this. It's going to be very – what's the word that I'm looking for here? Uh, 
it, like up and down. Uh, there's a volatile is the one that I'm looking for. A very volatile situation where the Broncos could have a, an explosion game like what you saw with Drew Locke against Houston last year, or it could have a very down game like what you saw against the Oakland Raiders towards the end of the season. Like you really don't know. There's a lot of growth and a lot of projection with this. And going back to Mike's, Mike Clay's projection of 3,510 total yards over 15 games, if, if the Broncos can get that out of Drew Locke, that's, that's a very big step in the right direction for his development. Yeah, it definitely is. And Denver needs him to take that next step. And they got the weapons for him to take that next step. So it's all on Drew Locke. He's doing the right thing so far to – to take that next step he's got he's found a way to pick up the offense he's out there working with the receivers so i would expect him to take that next step i don't think that again i 40,000 yards seems like a little bit much but 3500 is just it's a very smart projection for him especially with the broncos wanting to go run the ball to help take that pressure off of them so it's just a smart projection i do like the fact that he hasn't the 24 touchdowns that again it's a very smart projection. One of the things that they want to do when they get into the end zone is they want to be able to punch it in on the ground. They don't want to have to resort to passing three times on the red on the in the red zone, like right on the uh, goal line, like they did a couple times last year. They don't want that, so that's going to take some touchdowns away. I don't think that thirty is a high. Thirty is a little bit high. Twenty four. It's right there in that range. I think that he can get. It's just again, all these projections are just good projections, except for those sacks. Yeah, the, the whole sack thing is very interesting to me just because the Broncos gave up one sack per, per game with Drew Locke in the fold, like you said, five sacks in five games. And he also was playing behind a very, as I said in a piece last week on Mile High Huddle, a very ramshackle offensive line. You had Dalton Reisner as the guy who was also playing very banged up. You had Patrick Moore stepping in at the center position, played some guard snaps as well. Austin Slotman, like they were rotating guys in and out. Obviously, you had Elijah Wilkinson and he who shall not be named at the left tackle position position uh just there was who also played better by the way but Elijah Wilkinson over there giving up as many pressures as he did there was no real solidity on the interior of the offensive line and this year the Broncos actually kind of have that Dalton Reiser is going to come back healthy they got Lloyd Cushenberry in in the third round to play that center position he's he's projected to start right now and then Graham Glasgow who's a very good pass protector very good hop step re-anchors himself very well drives back into the defender as a pass protector or as a pass protector and is really going to help out Drew Locke to be able to step up into the pocket, which is something we saw him do on a very high basis last year. So to get away from that edge pressure and to to get away from you know the the troubles that you have uh, at the tackle position for Drew Locke, that's going to be huge. And I don't see thirty two sacks from this club. I really don't. And to even extrapolate that out even further, uh, Mike Clay has Jeff Driscoll taking that that next start and playing in a second game as well, and he's adding another two sacks for Jeff Jeff Driscoll at, at the quarterback position as well. 34 sacks in, in 16 games. That's more than two sacks per game, guys. I don't believe that's going to happen. Yeah, it's – I don't know, man. That The sacks is – it's not just the sacks for Drew Locke, just to be clear. Just every single stat projection from Mike Clay, even the ones for the defense, is one that bothers me a little bit. Just going quickly to this defense, he has them only picking up 40 sacks on the season. That would be tied for 15th – or in the uh, bottom 15 from last year with 40 sacks. And Denver, I mean, even last year, they had 40 sacks. And they improved their pass rushing unit. They should get better if Bradley Chubb can play a full 16 games, which he has them He has him doing, but just only picking up seven and 7.8 sacks. Like, I, I'm of all the ones that I'm sitting here 
The stats I look at, the rest are very solid. They're very fine ones that just look very fair. But the sack, so I'm starting to wonder if there is something with Mike Clay's projections when it comes to the sacks, because I can't remember exactly what they were last year. But I remember with a bunch of them that it just seemed really off when it comes to sacks. So that's the one that I really question the most when it comes to his projections overall for any position, any team. Well, and one thing going back to the sacks for last year for the Denver Broncos, they had zero sacks for the first four games. And after yeah. Bradley Chubb tore his ACL, they actually went on a tear. And to get 40 sacks in 12 games, that just kind of shows you the lethality of this defense, especially if, if it's clicking on all cylinders. And that's with a Jeremiah Tauchu, with a, with a Malik Reed, a Justin Hollins on the other side. If you get a Bradley Chubb coming back, who's an elite pass rusher in his own right, I mean, he almost set the rookie pass rushing record for the most sacks in a single season by a rookie in his rookie year. So, there's a there's a there's a fine line here, and I'm not exactly sure where Mike Clay is is projecting this from. And I'm very interested to see how his projections are actually played out. Like, what is his formula? I want to see the the baseline for his numbers. What is he doing? And I know that there, he's very highly respected, especially in fantasy football, for what he does. Uh, gathering all of, uh, making up his statistics, excuse me, gathering information and, and putting out quality information for everybody. And yeah, we can argue it uh, tooth and nail if we want to, but still at the same time, the guy's putting in a bunch of work. How is he actually coming up to these numbers? Because I, it's, it's for some reason, somewhere or another, there is something that you can argue with on it. And he's he's right a lot of the time, but still it's just very head scratching, especially when you look at it at a, a face value more than anything. Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to pull this up here. We got a super chat from Terry Randall. Thank you for that. Hashtag Eric's tie rocks. And the reason why I pointed out is guys, I'm debuting a brand new tie for today's show. <laughs> I got married. In. My wedding. tie. Just so Hey, Hey, but yeah, I just want to do that. And beast, I'm not taking it off, man. Like no one, <laughs> no one wants to see that. No one wants to see that. I don't even want to see it. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right. Well, speaking of going to the going to the uh, the the comment stream here, guys. Let's say hello to everybody that's been chilling in the room, getting the conversation flowing here. Obviously, Bawana Beast, the the administrator, the moderator, the mayor of the YouTube community. I see Terry Randall, obviously coming in. Robert Caslow, Stephen Baumgartner, what's up, dude? How you doing? Kenneth Booker coming in here. Uh, James Campbell as well coming from across the pond. What's up, guys? How we doing tonight? Let's get some questions rolling in here, Kenneth. I got one from you, buddy, coming in here. Who do you think will be the NFL comeback player of the year? I just want to say, Booker, that mask of yours looks freaking awesome, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, that, that is one awesome mask. I wish I had one like that for work. All I have is a Star Wars one. But um, for comeback player of the year. Um, man, that's a hard one. I don't know. I suddenly drew a blank about major players that got hurt last year. Me too, actually. <laughs> trying to th- and it doesn't necessarily um, have to be players that got hurt. It just actually, had a, a down a down player. It could be a year uh, yeah. like a bounce back year as well. So one player that would actually be awesome to see, wouldn't it? Bradley Chubb. Yes, it would. 
missing those yes, missing those first four or missing those last twelve games, not playing the best of the first four coming in and having a huge huge year like that would be awesome to see um he's the only one that comes to mind because he's the only one that i can think of that had like a big potential star power that got hurt but uh um, had a down year or whatever um rob gronkowski uh would he i wonder i don't know this because he he wasn't in the nfl so i don't know if he would qualify for it I think but, he, I think he would. I don't know. If I'm it, not. It, I'm not sure. Big Ben. He's another potential one. Yeah, Big Ben. Weapons that one. they have and everything. Yeah. Matt Stafford. I forgot about Matt Stafford getting hurt. Um, yeah, those are definitely two guys. I would have it be. I think that it would likely be a quarterback over a edge rusher. But if Bradley Chubb goes and builds upon that uh, that first year he had, then that would be a very comeback player of the year type season. All right, so, here's here's a joke for you. How about Drew Brees after the evisceration that he took on Twitter the other day? All right. All right, all right. <laughs> Sorry, I had to do it. I uh, had to do it. All right. Uh, let's see here. Josh Rosen is the comeback player of the year. <laughs> That'd be pretty funny. You know what? If Josh Rosen actually got the opportunity to start down there, I really, I swear to this day, that, we all know he's going to end up with the New England Patriots, and he's going to end yep. up making a dyna- continue their di- their dynasty. Like it's going to happen. Like I don't know why it hasn't happened already. Jarrett Stidham can't play quarterback. I swear that the the Indianapolis Colts should have gave up one of their second round picks to go and trade for him. That's uh, like why not go sign Philip Rivers and then bring in Josh Rosen behind him? You got Philip Rivers for a year. Show the show the young guy the ropes. Let him take over the reins next year, especially after they have another good draft class this year. And watch Indianapolis be like a juggernaut in the NFL completely because I think Josh Rosen. There's a lot of talent there. You you might you may hate him for the for his head and his political beliefs and stuff like that. There's a lot of talent with that guy. And he's never really gotten a fair shake in, in any situation in the NFL. He goes the, to the Arizona Cardinals who put him behind probably the worst offensive line we've seen in like the last 10 years with no weapons outside of a 37 year old Larry Fitzgerald. And he had the, one of the worst like rookie seasons we've seen from a quarterback in a long time. And then he has traded over to Miami who again, there's no talent there. Put him on a team where he has some talent where he doesn't have to like perform immediately and like be that stand up number one quarterback, like the best quarterback in the NFL. I think he can learn and grow in that kind of a situation. Indianapolis to me was such a great fit. Yeah. A couple things here. I just want to pull up real quick. Lynette saying hi from Nebraska. Hi, Lynette in Nebraska. We're saying hi from Wyoming and Alaska. Yes. <laughs> Nebraska, Alaska. I'm a poet. I see. And then Jerry Holland. Oh, heck, I like them hats. Nice. Hey, if you want to get one, it's what's the name of the site? Huddle Up Pod, right? HuddleUpPod.com. HuddleUpPod.com. Go get your merch, guys. Also, stay tuned because we are going to be giving away a hat and a t shirt yeah. at the end of today's show. So, little boxes coming oh, in here on Twitch. We're going to be giving away after next week's show, but we're going to yeah, set up the, the contest for it. Yeah, set up today. the contest for today. But, anyways, little boxes coming in on Twitch. We cannot forget everybody else on all of these streaming platforms coming in and said, What do you think the distribution and snaps and touches will be for Gordon and Lindsay? This is actually a pretty, pretty interesting question. I'm going to start off here. First things first, you don't pay a running back, especially on a second contract. You shouldn't, anyways. But if you do, you have to make him kind of a, a primary focus in the offense. He's going to be the Broncos 1A running back. I'm projecting probably 15 to 20 touches a game per uh, for uh, Melvin Gordon in this offense with Philip Lindsay coming in to spell and give him some give him some breathers and stuff like that, getting probably 12 to 15 touches t- total in a game. Um, a lot of that is going to be really 
dependent on what Philip Lindsay is able to do in the passing game. And we really haven't seen that to date. In fact, Pat Shermer, when he was first hired, pretty much put the onus on Philip Lindsay that you need to go out and go and improve your pass catching ability if you want to be a part of this offense. And then they go out and they get a very high quality pass uh, pass protector and pass catcher out of the backfield in Melvin Gordon. To me, that sings volumes as to what's going to happen here. And Melvin Gordon is going to get the lion's share of the carries. That's just my personal opinion. Yeah, um, I definitely agree. I think that Melvin Gordon, he'll probably see there – be right in there with that like 18, 19, 20 touch per game. And I think Philip Lindsay is going to be right there behind him with about 15 to 17. There's going to be, it's it's basically a 1A, 1B type of situation there. And whoever the third running back B is, is ends up being is going to have a few touches as well. So that's something there that uh, can definitely be the case. And But one wrench that can throw it in is, as you're talking about, is Philip Lindsay finally developing that ability as a receiver out of the backfield or even being able to line up outside. So that's something that can uh, be a potential thing as well. And I saw a question about this because I mentioned I mentioned Stidham with the – here it is. Beast asked, where did Stidham rank in the, that year's draft for both of you? In the 2018 and, or 2019 NFL draft, Jared Stidham was my number five overall quarterback. But he had to go to a team that I really felt could develop him and what he could do. And I just don't think that the Patriots are the right team for that unless – Unless Josh McDaniels makes a huge change with how he is, I just don't see it uh, see it happening with him. So it's just one of those things where maybe a different team could have been a better situation for him. A team that prioritizes quick and easy reads and not so cerebral aspect at the quarterback position would have been a lot better for a for a Jarrett Sidham. If he would have went to, say, Cliff Kingsbury – in Arizona, say they made him his like fourth round pick, that probably would have been a lot better. But Josh McDaniels, as far as a cerebral coach and making sure dictating stuff at the line of scrimmage, obviously Tom Brady being able to do so. I don't think Jarrett Stidham has that potential. And also, I don't think that he has the uh, the ability to go through progressions. You didn't see that at Auburn with him. You really didn't. I had him as a fourth or fifth round project, kind of a quarterback, somebody that you can bring in and be a, a valuable backup kind of a quarterback player. But at the same time, he's not going to be that guy that can go out and win starting reps he's not going to go out and win you games he can win you a game if you have if like the situation falls correctly for him kind of like a Trevor Sinemian but not in that like the situation is a comparison not the actual player itself but a, a if you have a good defense around him have some weapons and stuff he can actually go out and win some games for you but he's not going to be the key factor in in doing so that's my personal opinion on Jarrett Sidham and to me they definitely desperately need to upgrade the quarterback position in New England. And as Eric said, yeah, Josh Rosen is a, is a prime candidate there. Cam Newton, honestly, Cam Newton might be a, an aspect there, it's especially if you can get Josh McDaniels to kind of tweak what he's doing, get some read option stuff, some play action stuff going there, dumb it down at the line of scrimmage. It's, it's, a, it's a very interesting quarterback situation up in New England. Now we got a super chat coming hey, in here. Hold on real quick, oh. just before we get to that is maybe Josh McDaniels will try to get Jay Cutler out of retirement. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, because they're such close friends. Uh, I think Bus Cook would have something to say about that. Um, or uh, <laughs> or get try to get Matt Castle. Yeah, right? Yeah, no doubt. All right, here it is, uh, Bobby. Coming in here, Bobby's one of the uh, the premium Super Chat superstars on the Mile High Huddle uh, Huddle Up Podcast Network. Jumping in with a very generous donation, Bobby. We appreciate that. We uh, I see you rocking your Huddle Up Podcast mug and the 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 
Football Priest T-shirt, I believe is what that is. Hi, Eric and Lance. Congratulations. Thank you for all you do. Amazing podcast. Go Broncos. Bobby, once again, thank you all for joining us tonight. We Mile high salute to all of our Super Chat superstars. You are up there working your way, chiseling your spot into Mount Rushmore up there as far as the Mile High Huddle Super Chat superstars are concerned. So is your name Pobby or Pabby? How is it actually pronounced? So as as from what I'm from what I've heard from listening to the the Huddle Up podcast, it's Pobby. So uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Yes, please. Uh, James, uh, James Campbell coming and put her in Mount Rushmore. There it is. Yes, there it definitely. is. She, there it she is. deserves. She has her place up in the MHH Mount Rushmore. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. <laughs> All right, James Campbell coming in with a with an interesting comment here. I'd cut or trade Freeman, to be honest. And now this is kind of an interesting uh, interesting scenario here. The thing about Royce Freeman is we really don't know what his role is going to be in this offense. He doesn't necessarily offer up a whole bunch of special teams value, and if he wants to land his spot on the roster, he's going to have to do that. He's going to have to step up as a special teams player because – between Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay, there's some spell reps there. He might maybe get one, two, or maybe five total reps in a game as far as the offense is concerned. But there's little trade value with him, man. There's there's nothing there. Eric, am I wrong in this aspect? Is there any trade value for, for Royce Freeman, or are the Broncos just going to have to cut him loose? Um, yeah, I don't think there is any trade value for him, but he's a guy that if they want to move on, they're just going to have to cut him loose. Um, he's a guy who he entered the NFL with a high amount of carries with a major injury in his college history already. And those players very rarely end up panning out in the NFL. So it's it's something that to sit there and watch, see what he's able to do. But I think that Levante Bellamy and Kalfani Muhammad have a chance to beat him out for it. Um, only thing that I can see keeping him is if he do, if he does better on special teams, if he improves – as a pass blocker and just mm-hmm. continues to do as well as he does as a receiver. Yep. Cause he, he can work out of the backfield. He can work out wide. It just gives an offense so many options. But with that aspect of it is, is that really needed as much when you have a guy like Melvin Gordon? Like it's, when you look, when you're looking at the third back, the biggest thing is, is going to be special teams, plain and simple. Who's going to contribute the most on special teams. Cause you're going to want to hope that Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay stay healthy. Although both of them have shown their issues doing just that. Well, and another thing that coming out of your third back is going to be a, a different kind of a dynamic. You want somebody that's going to be able to provide that jitterbug aspect, more or less, that that kind of change of pace role. Obviously, Philip Lindsay is, is plenty fast enough, and Joseph Melanowski coming in here with a, with a comment. Between Philip Lindsay and Gordon, it's going to be who's healthier and obviously who's playing a better game. It's going to be Philip Lindsay due to his speed. Speed doesn't necessarily 100% matter all the time. Yes, it's great to have that speed, but what else do you bring to the offense? Can you pass protect? Can well, you catch out of the backfield? Go ahead, Eric. I think that with the whole speed thing, I think that is especially true when you're looking at the running back position is you can't just be fast at the running back position. Yep. You have to be able to make people miss. You have to be able to get through the holes quickly. You have to be able to have the right burst because speed doesn't always equal burst. And Philip Lindsay, I don't think he is faster than Melvin Gordon. Philip Lindsay's not that fast. He has good burst, though. He has decent ability to make people miss. And the best trait about him is that despite his size, he, he wants to run defenders over. That's what he wants to do. I think that that it's 
outside, if, as long as Melvin Gordon stays healthy, I think it is very much a, he is going to be the main back for this Broncos the Broncos offense. I don't think there's any ifs, ands, or buts about it. He will be the main back for it. They might use Lindsay a little bit more often every now, every game, every here and that there, maybe a series here, like, but it's not going to be Philip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon. It is Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay. One reason why they went out and got Melvin Gordon was because of the issues Philip Lindsay has. They got Melvin Gordon to be the top back on this Broncos offense. Yep. yep. And that's kind of what exactly what I was saying earlier. You don't pay a, a running back on a second contract unless you plan on making him the bell cow of your offense. And yes, again, Melvin Gordon's going to be the 1A. This is Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay, not Philip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon. It, there's there's a 1A and a 1B. And to me, it's a very clear 1A and 1B. Melvin Gordon is going to be the guy out there. And you're going to see him a lot more on third down than you're going to see Philip Lindsay. It's just a plain and simple fact of the matter. If you can pass protect the way that Melvin Gordon does, if you can catch out of the backfield, also line up out wide, Royce Freeman could see some more downs on third down as well, just because Philip Lindsay doesn't offer that pass protection. He doesn't offer that out of the backfield catching ability. So that might be the niche that you get with Royce Freeman. But to me, what difference is he other than uh, Melvin Gordon? Like, as, as far as that aspect, they're one and the same kind of a player. Melvin Gordon, to me, is a superior player. Don't get me wrong. But Royce Freeman and Melvin Gordon offer such a similar skill set that where a Kalfani Muhammad being an elite receiver out of the backfield, where a Levante Bellamy even being a better receiving threat out of the backfield than Kalfani Muhammad, why not get that extra jitterbug kind of wide receiver, or running back, excuse me, as a wide receiver out of the backfield in a Levante Bellamy over a Royce Freeman, even so, though Royce Freeman does offer that pass protection ability. So my thing too with this, when looking at this, and I do want to get Charlie, I do want to get to your question. That is actually a great question. Um, but when I look at this, is another thing too that we're that neither of us have mentioned is Royce Freeman would have his spot on the roster cemented if he was willing to be the type of runner running back that he's built made to be that the yep. way he's built. Yep. He is made to be a between the tackles tough runner, and if that was what he was willing to do his spot would be cemented because the Broncos don't have another guy to do that. Nope. But yep. that's not what he wants to be. He wants to bounce it outside. If if Philip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon switched their play style or their body types or their play styles, it'd be perfect. Yep. Philip, Philip Lindsay wants to be that between the tackles tough guy because he, li he likes to hit. And Royce Freeman wants to be that bounce it outside, make try to make big plays happen. But they don't, they have the size for the opposite. Like, it's something that ever since the Broncos brought them in, it is something that I've mentioned multiple times that they if just swap their bodies. Like that's all you got to do. Just swap their bodies. But honestly, honestly, just before we get to this, because I see the question, it's an amazing question by Charlie Beagle here. But just one thing here, if Royce Freeman goes to a stretch zone capability offense, like a, like the Kyle Shanahan offense, where they want to stretch some stuff out, Gary Kubiak getting the stretch zone and then cutting back to the inside, Royce Freeman would be so much better in that. But running as purely inside zone scheme, he's not fit for it. He doesn't put his head down and go. He doesn't know how to pick and choose his way that way. He wants to get laterally, get flat, and then dive forward. He wants to put his foot in the ground and get north and south, not get north and south first and then move out that way. It's it's a, a completely and totally different scheme fit there for Royce Freeman, and it doesn't fit with not only what Rich Scangarello wanted to do last year, it doesn't fit with what Pat Shermer is going to want to do this year. Now, to go into Charlie Beagle here, what is the breakdown position-wise of special teams players, mostly linebackers and tight ends? No. 
No, you're going to oh. see a lot of cornerbacks. As far as the interior guys, yes. You're going to see a lot of cornerbacks. You're going to see a lot of wide receivers, a lot of running backs as well. Linebackers and tight ends, absolutely. They're going to make up the majority of your like the offensive lines like on your punt coverage teams and stuff like that. But as far as your gunners and stuff goes, you're seeing cornerbacks. You're seeing wide receivers. You're seeing guys that are quick, get down the field in a hurry, get, be able to go down and make some tackles and stuff like that. You're not seeing a bunch of offensive linemen, linebackers and tight ends. Sure, you're going to see a, a couple of guys like that. Obviously, your your long snapper. Take a look at your long snapper. Really, like Casey Kreider is like, what, 6'2", like 225, 235 pounds, something like that, just for an example. Well, That's like the, the size of a linebacker. Well, I mean, Casey Kreider is not the long snapper this year. Well, but I, that was just an example. But, but, but yeah, but I mean, it, you're not wrong. Um, on your blocking units, those guys that are up front, the main blockers and everything, those are your linebackers, those are your tight ends. That's what you want them to do. Your running backs, so basically kind of how it is, is the farther out wide you get, the fastest, not necessarily smaller, but the faster you want to be. You want your gunners to be some of the fastest, faster players on the team because you want them to get down there, but you also want them to be able to hit. Then you move inside a little bit. This is where you typically find running backs. This is where Terrell Davis really made his start off a little bit. He wasn't the outside gunners, but he was the interior gunners, the guys who are just are more quick trying to get people missed, but they have decent speed as well. And that's what he, that's what Terrell Davis was able to do and make plays then happen. Then when you get into the inside, the guys that are right there around the kicker or um, blocking for the punter, whatever, that's where you find your linebackers and tight ends. So you do have linebackers, tight ends. It's not mostly them. It's just kind of a mixed match of things. And typically your guys that are just right outside of being a starter on offense or defense and not a key depth piece, like a key, like a number three safety, that's your special teams unit. So your number, your number six wide receiver, either as a gunner at well, number five too, you want them to be a gunner or returner. Um, number four, even possibly your number four, especially when the Broncos have the talent or potential talent that they do at wide receiver as they do. Um, your number three running back, your number four running back. If you have him, I mean, if you got to, um, it also depends on who makes your active roster too. So if you have four backs and all of them, all of them are making your active roster, then those last two are going to be it. And um, Charlie, the thing is, is that the people that are blocking, it's not often that they're offensive linemen anymore. It used to be a big thing, but now it's not. You still have a few offensive linemen here and there, but um, for the most part, it's guys. It's just linebackers, tight ends, guys that are like 250, 260 pounds as the main blockers. That's kind of how it is now. Now, to be more specific in this aspect, that's going just to like your punt coverage units. Now, going to field goal kickers, obviously you you want the meet up front. You want as yeah, many offensive linemen offensive. as you can. Yeah, that's that's where the offensive linemen like to play. Um, obviously, because you gotta you gotta slow down that 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 kick coverage protection stuff like that. Be able to get the kick off the ground. It, like as far as a punt coverage goes, and especially the kickoff unit goes, you're not even then you're not seeing a whole bunch of. Uh, you might maybe if. If anything, you might see a alignment on a on a a, a return team. Maybe I doubt that even anymore. Not often, and, even anymore. You're going to see some linebackers and, and tight ends and stuff doing that. Cornerbacks, wide receivers, and obviously your running backs and stuff like that. Those, yeah, and, and honestly, if you can get a, a quick, speedy, shifty returner uh, that's a that can play the wide receiver position, like a KJ Hamler being a kick returner, then that's that's a great move because it's a multifaceted aspect there because it brings in special teams value and also position versatility on the offensive uh, on the offensive scheme as well. So you you've got to be able to mix and match those players. Use your depth pieces as well. Like Eric said, that fifth, sixth wide receiver, the 
the fifth, sixth cornerbacks, uh, fourth and fifth linebacker, stuff like that. That's going to be your your core special teams units. And um, speaking of kickoffs, that's what Charlie was mainly speaking of. Yep. Is you don't have offensive linemen out there anymore. And James Campbell actually highlights why the wedge rules changed, and yep. then and teams decided to go away from your offensive linemen. Here and it is. Go I got to it. your tight ends. Go to your tight ends and your linebackers, and be a little bit faster and more athletic out there. Because one thing too that we see often with offensive linemen, they don't do the best hitting moving targets. That is one weakness of theirs. Like if you have, if you are running a zone scheme, you are looking for guys that can hit moving targets because they're going to be asked to asked to do that so much. But not every team runs its own scheme. Very few teams run its own scheme, pure zone schemes anymore. So they're not looking for that. Those guys that can find the guy running down the field and hit them and meet up with them at the right time. Which linebackers and tight ends, that's a lot of what they do. Yep. So they they teams move to that more often. No more wedge rules. You can't link arms and everything like that and create that that wall of three hundred and pounds for three uh three three hundred pound offensive linemen. Yeah, you go to linebackers, you go to tight ends, you'd be more athletic, you'd be quicker. Yeah. I was watching a, a game, I can't remember exactly, I think it was actually Super Bowl 33 where you could see the the wedge rule being enacted there. You got three huge, gigantic Mongoloids, Tim Dwight running down a running a, a kickoff for a touchdown against the Broncos, Super Bowl 33. That that rule is completely null and void anymore. And as Eric said, that getting more nimble, getting more mobile and and finding guys, get to a spot, pick a hat, then go make a hit and stuff like that. And with the rule changes that, that with the NFL is regarding player safety and stuff like that, it's really hard to even play kickoff right now it really is just because there everything's so concussion centric right now and major injury major uh bone and ligament injury the player safety is such a huge thing getting those big players out of it getting rid of the the wedge rule and, and stuff like that that's why you're seeing some smaller faster guys kind of kind of playing this where you're not seeing the huge gigantic collisions anymore yeah that's exactly right and like on one thing, I can't blame them for going a little bit safer. But the other thing is, it does take away some of the entertainment value a little bit. Yep. Yep. But guys, yeah, we we're at thirty-seven minutes now. We're gonna have time for just a few more questions. Unfortunately, I do have some other stuff that I've got to get to here soon. So yeah. we don't have all that a whole lot of time left. So go ahead and get your questions in. We'll answer them to the best of our abilities. <laughs> Darian P, are you gonna give? A, are you auctioning off naming rights for Baby Sanderson? No, da- no, Darian, not at all. Uh, in fact, actually, <laughs> so hold on for a second here. So I, I, uh, one of the names that I wanted to choose was Darian. I wanted to name my son Darian for the longest time after Darian Gordon. I thought that was a great name, but uh, no, it's Kevin. Kevin. Gordon would be a good one too. Not really, not for you, anyways. But Kevin uh, uh, Elliot is his name. Man, why are you hating on the name Gordon? I don't know. I just don't like the name so Gordon. Guys, I, I prefer a new co-host who actually doesn't like <laughs> Gordon. For those of you who don't know, my actual first name is Gordon. So I'll just go by Eric. But uh, here's actually a good one. Jason came in and so what is your opinion on the article written by Ben Valin in regards to Denver having the worst depth at quarterback? Um, Yeah, they don't. I don't agree with it. I have no idea how he came to that conclusion. Um, my assumption is that he just really held a lack of experience against Denver. But that doesn't add up with other teams out there. So I don't agree. Um, I think that Denver, with the, the potential that Denver has with Drew Locke, is a lot better than what potential teams have with others. Um, let's see here. I like. I can't put, even though Joe Burrow was a better prospect, I have a hard time putting Denver behind the Cincinnati Bengals. Especially um, without Andy Dalton, though. Yeah, because their depth is atrocious. And, um, 
Let's see here. I'm trying to think of other teams. Uh, Miami, because you have Ryan Fitzpatrick, and then you have Tua, who struggled to stay healthy. Like you, that's a big bet on Tua staying healthy. So on Josh Rosen too. Josh Rosen too. But and the biggest one though is the Patriots. He has the Patriots above the Broncos. There is no way anybody can convince me that Jared Stidham, who has thrown four passes in the NFL, four, is better than what the Broncos have. Their depth, I can't, I don't know what their depth is. They have Brian Hoyer. Ooh, they have Hoyer. Ooh, he's, I, I'm not taking that. I'm not taking that room over Denver's. That's not me being a homer. <laughs> But, All right, Charlie. Uh, that's that's where I draw the line. Now you've insulted me, Paxton Sanderson. Are you serious? I draw the line. Come on. <laughs> no, that's, but for, Nick, that's what Nick's gonna name his new dog, Paxton. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, for real. Going back to the Ben Volan article, I didn't read the entire thing, but uh, just to to say that the Broncos have the worst depth, I I guess I can understand that Jeff Driscoll being unproven Brett Rippon obviously then the the what his name's Neil I, I believe is his last name I don't remember exactly where he's from the undrafted free agent uh but uh with Drew Locke being as completely unknown at least going to Miami you have Ryan Fitzpatrick who has started a lot of games in the in in the NFL but yeah Oscar one of four passes was his pick six going back to Jarrett Sidham but still it, it, like as far as the quarterback depth Banking on a Josh Rosen as a former first round pick, you gave up a lot of capital to get him as a second with a second rounder. You obviously went out and picked Tua with the fifth, the fifth overall pick. So, you, draft capital doesn't necessarily mean anything. You have to live up to that draft capital, but at least they have some guys that have some high potential. The Broncos they have Locke, who was projected like as, as a first round pick. Uh, the Broncos obviously got a steal with him in the second round, but then Jeff Driscoll, he struggled not only in Cincinnati, but also in Detroit. Like there's, there's not a whole lot to like there. There's, I, I can see the premise of the argument, but at the same time, New England, man, seriously, New England, Brian Hoyer has been a bad quarterback for a very long time in the NFL. Jarrett Sidham is nothing. And behind that, I don't even know a name. I really don't. Yeah. I'm, so Charlie, if you're talking about a uh, name for baby Sanderson, it's, if it's a, if it's a chunky boy, he's going to name it Garrett Foles. Garrett Folds. I've been having issues Stop talking it. all day, man. Stop it. Uh, oh, there's something here. Let's see here. Let me scroll up. There was a good question I saw, and it just passed up. <laughs> they must not think we can read here. I don't think many mainstream NFL media people think that the Broncos fans can read. Like, don't get uh, yeah, my true. Broncos get is, is it's ridiculous. James is responding to a comment here. I'm not exactly sure where he got it from. It says, Robert, uh, the Bills run a matchup offense and defense. They could throw 50 passes one week and run the ball 50 times the next week. They zigged when the other team zagged. I'm not exactly sure where that comment's coming from. But uh, as far as that's concerned, Eric, you and I kind of talked about this the other day, and it really kind of does rely on what the with what the Bills do with Josh Allen and being that quarterback out of Wyoming, crappy Wyoming, as you said, quote-unquote, in your text. And by the way, I don't appreciate that but uh no the the bills could be a very scary team this year they really can i i really like aj epinesa that was a great scheme fit for what they do in their defense um going out getting stefan Diggs. they went out and there was another uh they got zach moss in the draft as well like there's there's gonna be some pretty interesting football going on in buffalo there was another question here regarding the broncos here yeah buffalo it it really does depend on josh allen is he gonna actually be able to hit the boat or he's just going to just drain the ocean by throwing a heater. 
Like, <laughs> they don't. He's, like, he's, he's already proved he's, they don't. He's already proved they don't need him to win games by him throwing the ball for 400 yards. He can run the ball for 200 yards and score three touchdowns. They're still going to win a football game. <laughs> just not the playoffs, <laughs> right? Like, right that, 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 you can win all you want in the regular season. Yeah, got to win in the postseason. Yeah. He hasn't shown that he can with his play style. All right, Joseph Malinowski coming in here. We're going to have to wrap this up here in just a few minutes, guys, so probably one of the last ones. Get your questions in now while we get a chance to, to be able to answer them. But anyways, Joseph coming in. What is the Broncos going to do with all these tight ends? Who do you think they move on from, or do they or do they just keep the new young guys? What are the Broncos going to do with this, t- this tight end room? To me, it's going to be a three-man tight end room. You're going to see uh, Noah Fant. Obviously, he's the he's the guy that the Broncos are really going to want to take that next step forward. They got Nick Vanette. They paid him a lot of money this year. Well, not really a lot of money, but, I mean, $4.7 million is a lot of money. Uh, and then Albert O, obviously, they, they brought him in as a draft pick. Outside of that, I don't really see any room unless Andrew Beck comes in and plays that fullback position and potentially oh. a, as a special teams player. But – I don't. I don't know. I don't. To me, it's a three tight end, a three tight end room this year, just based on what Pat Shermer wants to do with his offense, getting three wideouts on the field at the same time with one running back. Um, tight ends are going to be kind of a, an afterthought, really. I, obviously, Noah Fant's going to have going to eat, and he's going to. I hope he takes the next step, but he's he's going to be the primary focus in the offense. You're not going to see a whole lot of two tight end sets this year. So well, the thing is, is I, I agree that three only three tight ends make it, and my big reason why is now that they can call up a person from the practice squad, you don't need that tight end fullback hybrid on your active roster. It, you can use it. If you're game planning where you're going to be using a fullback, you can call him up. Yep. If not, then you can call somebody else up. I think that that's where Beck fits best with his Broncos roster going forward. Being one of that, either that 54th or 55th man, and chat absolutely love the hating on Wyoming. I just saw it. I just saw it. Charlie Beagle speaking some truth here. Wyoming is the original social distancing state. We're not going to get into that, but you know what, guys? We have uh, an like just shy of six hundred thousand people that live in the state, and it's the like tenth largest state as far as land size in the in the entire Alaska's United States. One. Yeah, well, obviously because Alaska is huge, but still, Wyoming is a pretty dang huge state, and we don't have a whole lot of people. We live socially distanced. Okay, I have I have neighbors that live like half a mile away from me. <laughs> yeah, you guys still have a higher um, what is it per square higher population per square mile or whatever it is. I guess the actual term it is in Alaska. Even though Alaska has 735,000 people, we're just all spread out throughout this huge state. Yeah, it's a, it is a gigantic state. Shoot, uh, Alaska could pretty much fit within the United States itself. You might as well make yourself your own country. No, not per capita. Something per square mile. Yeah. So many people so many people yeah, so many people per square mile. <laughs> we all know what uh, Wyoming is not a state. It's just like Atlantis. Uh, I'd great. make another I comment about Wyoming, but Lance might actually get mad about it. Population density. There we go. Thank you. Guys. There you go. There you go. So before we get out of here, because we don't have that much time left, if we get a good question after this, we'll go back and answer this question. But this giveaway that we're doing. Yes. So we're going to be yes. asking a question. And that's all I know. It's been Lance's idea. So I'm going to let Lance take it. But we're going to be asking a question. It deals right. with me and something that information that I have revealed over a different Dove Valley Deep Divers episode. All right. So, guys, 
Now, before we get out of here, first things first, these are the rules of the giveaway. You have to be following me at Sanderson MHH. You have to be following at Eric Trickle on Twitter. You also have to be following. I'm going to pull up the banner. We're going to get out of here, guys, as well. I'm going to pull up the banner here. You have to be following at at DVDD underscore pod on Twitter. You have to be doing all three of these things. If you're not, you're not eligible to be to be in the drawing for this. Also, if you guys get a chance, go and follow at John K M H H. That's Bawana Beast. We need to build his following as well. He's a part of the show. But at least follow me, follow Eric, follow the show. Now, guys, the trivia question here is, and the the idea behind this was that you had to be paying attention to Dove Valley Deep Divers for the long course of the show. This is the 50th episode of Dove Valley Deep Divers, and Eric has divulged this information multiple times, actually, and one time in specific. Now, the question is, and message us on Twitter, get get on us at Facebook, whatever you got to do to be able to do that. Eric, go ahead. Yes, definitely message us. Don't tweet at us the answer just in case you're correct. We don't want other people going and figuring out, just taking a guess with that. Is We just want to kind of keep it private. So make sure you send us a message about it, and we'll write down our name. And next week what we're going to do is we're going to pick the winner randomly. I'm going to do it live. I'm going to share my screen, go to a randomizer online, and just have it pick a random winner out of the people that get the answer correct. Yep. So now the question is, Eric possesses an autograph and a jersey from a former Denver Broncos player. Who is it? So let me say it again. Eric possesses an an autograph and a jersey from a former Denver Broncos player. We will not read any comments out loud. We will not discuss this at any time over over the next week. Direct message us on Facebook, on Twitter, whatever you got to do. Direct message us the answer if you're following at Sanderson MHH, at Eric Trickle, and at DVDD underscore pod, and you have the correct answer, you are eligible to be put into the drawing for a new Dove Valley Deep Divers hat and a new Dove Valley Deep Divers t-shirt. So, guys, with that, we're going to wrap it up here. I don't see any other other comments coming in here. So, we will see you guys next week. Friday night, 6 p.m. Mountain Time, 8 p.m. Eastern. Once again, guys, you guys, thank you for joining the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. You guys stay safe and take care, and we'll see you next week. And again, guys, if you guys want a second Dove Valley Deep Divers show earlier on Saturday, this, yes. is mainly for, this is mainly for those of you who are over in Europe, overseas, later time zones that can't always tune in, even if you're listening to this after the fact. Make sure you guys let us know. We're talking about it. We're not We're not sure 100% if it's going to happen. We're wanting it to happen, but we need your guys' input on it. A second DVDD um, show earlier on Saturday mornings. And, Charlie, it's not that his shirt's faded. His coloring with his computer's just off. Yeah, I was going to say, the, 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 the shirt is brand new. The, the shirt is brand new. I've, I've had it for, like, two weeks. It's literally brand new, so... But anyways, guys, thank you once again for joining the Dove Valley Deep Divers. You all stay safe and take care and have a great rest of your weekend, folks. We'll see you later.